It's 4 o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. You are listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris hosting the program today from Calvary Chapel, Vail Valley, up in the beautiful mountains of Colorado uh, in the Vail area. And um, if you'd ever like to visit our church, if you're here on vacation up in, in Vail or Beaver Creek, uh, for a ski vacation or in the summer for, for some hiking or something like that or camping, we'd love to have you come visit us on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening. We have three services on Sundays, 9, 10.30, and 5.30 p.m. We'd love to have you join us sometime. Uh, today, this is Calvary Live, the call-in radio show where we take your questions about the Bible, we take your prayer requests, we take your questions about God, about Jesus, about cults that you may have heard of, or about other religions and how they relate to Christianity. I uh, would love to chat with you today. So if you'd like to call in with a question, you can call us at 303-690-3000. Once again, that phone number is 303-690-3000, or you can text 720. Once again, that phone number is 303-690-3000. So this weekend at church, we had a, a great time talking about, uh, as odd as it may sound, the fact that God does not care about your plans. Did you ever think about that? God um, loves you very much, but your plans he cares less about. Uh, we think about the fact that that we have plans that, that we make for our lives and, and all these things that we do, but God's plan is completely different and totally better than our plan for ourselves. And God really doesn't care about your plans. He could care less about your plans. And the reason for that is this, God cares about you. God doesn't care about your plans because God cares about you. And he knows that his plan is so much better than yours. It's, it's incredibly uh, better than you could even imagine. We, we read in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And so when we consider the, the, the things that we want to do in life, the plans that we have, we have to make sure that we submit them to the Lord and are flexible as uh, we face the things that he brings into our life, understanding that his plans are different and better. And sometimes it involves trial and hardship, uh, and sometimes it involves blessing, but ultimately he's working it all together for good. So hope that's uh, an encouragement to you today. Um, and if you have a question about things that you've got going on in your life today, or maybe where God is in the midst of the trial that you're facing, we'd love to chat with you or pray with you about that today as well. Once again, you can call us at, uh, you can call today at 303, I am totally spacing the phone number. Well, you can text 720-336-0897, or you can call 303-690-3000 uh, with your questions today. 303-690-3000. Thank you there, Frank. I totally spaced the phone number for just a second, and Frank is texting me it through the messaging app here. Once again, that phone number is 303-690-3000, or you can text 720-336-0897 with your questions today. I'm going to take a quick look at the text line here, and um, we've got a question here that says, in the Bible... In the uh, it says Alex first, 
I think it's first Corinthians that this person is talking about. Um, <clears throat> there's a verse missing is the question. So some Bibles have certain verses that are there and other ones have verses that are missing. This is a great question uh, talking about Bible translations. And so um, really what this person is referring to is some Bible translations, the NIV, the NASB, among others, um, have verses that are not in there that you will find in like the New King James or the King James or some of the other Bible translations that are out there. And you'll be reading and you'll realize, wow, there's a verse that's missing right here. What's the deal with that? Why is that? Well, there are, are different methods and thought processes behind Bible interpretation. And the King James Bible, the New King James Bible, and a couple other ones are based upon uh, a source text. So when we look at Bible translation, we, the, the Bible that we read today is not the original text. Otherwise, you'd have to be reading in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. And so we base it off of a source text, a text that was written in one of those languages. And so the New King James and the King James Bible are translations from what is called the Textus Receptus. Uh, it was the Bible that the original King James um, Bible was translated from. Now, if you look at the NIV, the NASB, the New Living Translation, and some of these other newer translations, many of these were based off of a different original source text that uh, leaves out some of those verses. And, you know, there's debate as to which one is correct. And I'm not going to get too much into that today, but to, just to answer your question, um, the, the, t the reason that some of those are missing is that they're based off orig different original source texts. Now, here's the good news about this. You might look at that and be like, well, which one is right? And which, what does it matter? The verses are so, the differences are so incredibly small that it's not something that um, you would look at and be concerned about. And so uh, it doesn't change the content at all. All that it does is change really these very small minor issues. And so uh, the other one is, is what's called the, the Nestle Allen Greek New Testament, which is based off a text that was found recently that they dated to an older date. And so when you look at the New King James versus the NIV or one of those other translations, that's why some Bibles have verses missing. Now, what I recommend when looking for a Bible translation is looking for one that gives you a word-for-word -word translation from the original texts. So uh, that would be like the New King James or the ESV or the NASB. And then you can balance that out with one of the other thought-for-thought uh, -thought translations like the New Living Translation or the NIV, really to help you grasp the, the, the underlying meaning that's there in the biblical text. Now, um, the, the New King James Version is the one that I typically use. And the reason for that is it actually shows you the different spots where some of those textual differences are so that as you can read it, you can begin to understand that a little bit better. And so uh, hopefully that answers your question. If anybody else has questions about uh, that overall, I uh, would love to chat with you about that a little bit more. So um, once again, you can call us today on Calvary Live at 303-690-3000. Once again, phone number is 303-690-3000. Or you can text your question in at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. I'd like to go to Marissa on line one. Marissa, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, I was just calling because, you know, 
I have heard from people and, you know, from a pastor, and they say that God can speak to you. Um, I know that in the Bible, you know, it talks about that. But, you know, they say that God can give you visions or God can, you know, he can he can find ways to speak to you. Um, you know, is that true or yeah, you know, um, absolutely, I believe that God is definitely still speaking to us today. Um, but I think th we need to define what speaking means when we think about this. Um, the, the thought of God speaking to us isn't necessarily God, you know, parting the clouds and giving you an audible voice that's saying, thus saith the Lord or something like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so really, I, I think the best way to understand the, the leading of the Lord or kind of hearing from God is to uh, think about it in, in the terms of God leading us by his Holy Spirit. See, if, if you're a believer in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, which means that God lives inside of you. And so as he is living inside of you, um, the, he is able to direct us and lead us. And the primary way that he does that is through his word, which is the Bible. And so if we're looking for God to speak, we can look at the scriptures and say, well, God has already spoken on these things. Uh, we can know that um, as we read through the scriptures, that this is the, the word of God. It's the voice of God for us. And so those things absolutely apply to us. And, you know, for most situations that we face in life, we can look to the scriptures and say, well, you know, is, does this decision that I'm trying to make is it, is it guided by biblical principles and led by the Spirit of God, or is it not? Um, and so that's kind of the primary way that God will speak is through his word. But he also speaks just through a, a gentle leading of the Holy Spirit. And so you might be feeling led towards something, or you might have heard someone say, I have a heart for this missions outreach, or I'm feeling led to start a Bible study or something like that. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Yeah, and actually the reason why I called today was because something interesting happened to me. Um, you know, I went to go see Beth Moore. She came here on the front range, and, you know, they had worship, and I prayed about it. And, you know, something spoke to me and told me that within three days I would have an answer to a prayer I've been praying for very hard and the next day I got the answer. Was it the answer I wanted? No, but I was wondering, I'm like, I wonder what that was, if it was just my imagination or if it was, you know, Jesus yeah. speaking to me or, you know, that's why I call because I, I wonder and, you know, I have a gut instinct, like I just have a feeling about something right now, but I don't want it to be you know, my emotions talking to me. I just want to make sure it's actually, you know, God's will. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, I, I, absolutely God is capable of speaking to you like that. Um, I think that the key when we're trying to, to, to discern whether God is the one that's speaking or if it's just our own thoughts or an outside influence really is to, again, measure it up against Scripture there. And so... Um, I, I fully believe that God could have given you that that impression on your heart and said, you know, this is going to be something that I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give you this answer to your prayer, and it's going to come in this time, uh, absolutely. And um, and I, can I say without a doubt that that was the Lord speaking to you? No, I can't. But it did 
come to pass, you know, you had that answer to your prayer and, um, and you received that. So I would take that personally as just a blessing from the Lord that God kind of just gave you that little encouragement before he gave you the answer that you didn't really want to hear, you know? <laughs> so, so receiving the answer as a negative, um, but then kind of him preparing you for that in advance, uh, with that little just gentle reminder that he's there from the Holy Spirit. So that's how I would receive that. Yeah, because it was interesting, you know, getting that, and I was like, okay, this is just my imagination running wild, but, you know, and I prayed about it again the following day, and, you know, I got an answer. Was it the answer I wanted? No, it broke my heart, but I felt like a weight lifted off my shoulders, and, you know, I was wondering, I'm like, I wonder if when you have a gut feeling, if it's, you know, Jesus talking to you, God, or you know, or, you know, so would you suggest to pray about it so you can have clarity if it's really him or not? Or Yeah, absolutely. I, I, absolutely. Praying about it would be huge. And, you know, here's, here's the, the thing that's important that we really understand when we're trying to seek the Lord about direction on something in our lives. Uh, it says in Jeremiah that the, the heart is desperately wicked. Our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it and so um, you may have heard somebody say you know oh just follow your heart have you ever heard somebody say that yeah well I, I, I kind of have a different opinion I think our heart is kind of the last thing we want to follow because Jeremiah says that our heart is deceitful and wicked and you know desperately wicked that we can't really know it and so we shouldn't be following that we should be following the Spirit of God and the Word of God and so really the key to really understanding God's will is when you're feeling led towards something or you're feeling like God is speaking to you about something is first you pray about it and you say Lord is this really you and then you search the scriptures to see if the Bible has anything to say about that specific thing because if it does then we can know okay, well, if, if the Bible speaks to this, then that's the final word, and I understand, yes, I will trust you for this, Lord, or whatever that looks like. And then if you're not getting super great clarity, I think it's it's wise. It says, in Proverbs, it says, in the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. And so I think it's wise to talk to a pastor or a really strong Christian friend and say, this is something that I feel like the Lord's been doing in my life and speaking to me about. What do you think about this? Um, I, I think those are some good, safe ways to help you evaluate whether what you're hearing is just your own heart, which can be deceitful, or whether it's the Spirit of God speaking to you. Um, those are some of the things that I would use. You know, So whenever I have a big decision in front of me or something like that, first I'll pray about it, Lord, is this really you? Then I'll look to the scriptures and see if the Bible says anything about it. And then I'll go to a, a trusted Christian friend uh, and seek their advice on it as well and see if through those things that the Lord really gives me some direction. Um, does that make sense? It does. It totally does. So thank you. Sure, no problem. And, um, you know, some things that'll be super clear, like for example, as someone who's battling, you know, alcohol addiction and they don't really know the Bible well enough to know that it's not something that, that drinking and getting drunk is not something that God wants us to do. And so they pray that God's speaking to them. You can very clearly go to the scriptures and it says, okay, do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's a very clear answer. You know, some things it's a little bit more ambiguous and it's really more um, something that's not a black and white answer. And so we just have to kind of press in a little bit more and seek the Lord and seek outside advice and wisdom as well. 
if that makes sense. It does, yes. Okay. Well, well thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for your call. Thank you have you. a great day. You too. Bye. All right. God bless. All right, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris from Calvary Chapel, Vale Valley, taking your questions today and your prayer requests. Uh, you can call us today at 303-690-3000, or you can text 720-336-0897. I kept forgetting the phone number earlier today, but once again, that number is 303-690-3000, or text 720-336-0897. I'd like to go to line two. Daniel, welcome to the program. Daniel, are you with us? Okay, I think we might have lost Daniel, so I'm going to take a quick look at the text line. Daniel, if you're still listening, feel free to call back in. We've got open lines right now. Uh, anybody else that would have a question or a prayer request, please feel free to call us 303-690-3000 or text 720-336-0897. Okay, let's take a look here. Um, Someone had texted in just a few minutes ago and said, Thank you for your awesome God-honoring radio show. I have a college-age daughter. I recently found out she is practicing witchcraft. This totally goes against our Christian beliefs and how we raised her. As her mother, I am very worried. I pray daily Jesus would get a hold of her. But not yet. Any advice? You know, um, I would love to pray for you, for this person that texted in. We'd love to pray together um, for, for your daughter. And, you know, I, I think the best thing that you can do, I, I don't know if your daughter, uh, you said she's college days, so she's probably moved out of the house. But I would, um, I'd, I'd have a serious conversation with her, just explaining to her the reality of the things that she's messing around with as she's engaging in witchcraft. I've known people who have become believers after being involved in witchcraft, and there are some pretty serious things that they're messing with, some spiritual forces you don't really want to be involved with, and some things that can have lasting repercussions in your life. So I would I would sit her down and just share your honest concern with her and share, you know, God loves you. Jesus died for you on the cross. I understand the intrigue of this thing that you're getting into, but um, but the, the forces that you're messing with are not light things, and uh, it's important to understand that. And so really just an honest, open conversation, not in a con condemnation, but in grace and in love, pointing her towards Jesus and helping her to see the reality of that. And so um, I, I'd love to pray for you right now, though. And, you know, I think that really the best thing you can do is pray. Just pray, pray, pray. Um, I cannot overstate the uh, importance and the power behind a praying parent. My mom is a great example of that for me. Uh, I was astray for several years, and the, my mom prayed faithfully for me, and God answered her prayers. It's so important to pray for your kids. So be praying, be praying, and then just bridge that gap and open those conversations and just share the love of Jesus with her. It's, you know, we know it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So, so I wouldn't come in hard and condemning, but I'd be real about the fact that she's engaging with forces that she doesn't understand. All right, so let's pray. Let's pray for this, this uh, college-age daughter here. Lord, we pray for this girl that's been getting involved with witchcraft. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to her what it is that she's messing with. I pray that she would see the darkness that she's engaged in. I pray that she would understand 
the spiritual forces that are behind that, Lord, and that she, it's, it's just playing with fire and it's dangerous, and that she would see the truth of your love for her, Lord, that she would uh, understand what you did for her on that cross, and that she would turn, that she would repent, pray that she would understand your grace and your love for her. Would you just move powerfully in her life, Lord, and draw her to yourself? Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, whoever that was that, that texted that in, just want you to know uh, we have many listeners today that were agreeing in prayer for your daughter, and I'd like to encourage all of you listening just to, to continue to keep her in prayer for that as well. All right, so if you'd like to call in with a question today, you can call us at 303-690-3000, or you can text 720-336-0897. I'd like to go to Charlotte on line one. Charlotte, welcome to the program. Thank you. Are you able to hear me okay? Yes, I can. Thank you. Okay. Yes, um, my question is, wanted to get some clarity um, as far as women being called by God to be evangelists, um, pastors, you know, just say if it's a couple, husband and wife, do you feel that God is against women being in ministry, being evangelists, being pastors, because uh, I've been seeing um, a lot of confusion in ministries, and people are leaving ministries because a pastor may be a female but aren't a husband, both are pastors in the ministry, and um, even a woman being evangelist, what I've been hearing is or heard people share is that it's in the Bible, God did not call a woman to be an evangelist. They're thinking that these callings are only for me and only. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, there, um, the Bible does have a lot to say about this issue. And I think before we really get into what the Word has to say, which is super important, I think we need to define our terms. Uh, because, you know, what we tend to call a pastor in the modern sense is not necessarily the the... the biblical definition. And so I think what we really want to get back to is what the Bible has to say about the role of women in ministry. And the Bible has a, a huge role for women involved in ministry. There, there's a huge role in there, but there are roles that are defined for the sexes. So God gives a clear role for men in the home and in ministry, and he gives a clear role for women in the home and in ministry as well. And so um, th there are definitely very important roles that can be fulfilled by women in ministry, but th there's one role that's, that is very clearly um, not to be held by a woman, and it's not to be held by just any man either. Uh, and that is the role of what we call elder or bishop. Um, it is the role that we see in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, it's the role that we see in in First Peter chapter five, uh, in Titus chapter one, and this role is what we see the role of setting the doctrine for the church. It's the the the, the authoritative teacher for a church congregation, and so uh, th it's one role that is something that that is not uh, allowed. But on a biblical basis for women. Now, could a woman be an evangelist? Absolutely. In fact, we see in the Bible, uh, we see a Priscilla and Aquila, this famous couple in the scriptures. Um, 
Priscilla was was an, an amazing evangelist. In fact, she led Apollos to the Lord uh, along with her husband, but she was kind of the main one speaking to him when you read in the scriptures there. And Apollos became an amazing evangelist himself. Um, okay. And so th there's also another couple, Andronicus and Junia. And Junia was actually um, a, an evangelist as well in the scriptures. And so an evangelist is a different role than a pastor, though. An evangelist is someone that's leading someone to Jesus Christ. And so in a very real sense, every believer is commanded to be an evangelist. So uh, absolutely, a woman can be an evangelist. A woman can be a deacon. We see in 1 Timothy chapter um, 3 there, we see uh, the, the feminine form of deacon that's used there. Um, so there, there is that role as well. So there's really just this one role according to scripture that is reserved for not just any men, but certain men that meet the, the, the spiritual uh, qualifications for that role. Um, and so really every other role that's available is available to men and to women, but it's this role of teaching and exercising authority over the church, the, the, the leading, the ruling elder or bishop in a church. Um, and that, that's the role that you see, as I said, in First Peter chapter 5, First uh, Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1, uh, really as that, that bishop, that elder leader of the church. Now, within that, um, you have women that oversee various aspects of ministry. And, you know, according to the modern definition, they may function as a quote-unquote pastor over a certain aspect of ministry, functioning under the the biblical elder role that is fulfilled by a man so that there's lots of different roles that a woman can play it's not a, only restricted to one role um but that role of elder overseer bishop is the one that's reserved for men does that make sense yes can i get those scriptures you said again uh that you said in those three places that only people that that only men can hold them dealing with the elder and the and the, um, the bishop again. Yeah, absolutely. So th those places are First Timothy chapter three, uh -huh. Titus chapter one, okay, and First Peter chapter five describe okay. that role. Um, now, if you want to, if you go into First Timothy chapter two, you'll see Paul's explanation for for. Uh, the 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 fact that that role needs to be exercised by a man. So First Timothy chapter two and three are important to read to grab context okay. of that. Okay. All right. I appreciate that because I was driving and I heard you say you ask questions. Yeah. And um, it was I was still troubled because I haven't. I mean, I have a piece about it because I know God called me to be an evangelist, and it's been there on me for many years. You know. Mm -hmm. And God uses me mightily in going out witness and telling people about Jesus. And Praise God. Uh, That's awesome. But when I heard this, I'm seeing where people are leaving ministries because um, the confusion that a woman is not supposed to be a pastor, and this is a pastor that has a husband that she's been working in ministries with, and mm -hmm. uh, a woman is not supposed to evangelize. And I've heard it from some family members, too, recently, some months ago, and they were telling me, like, no, in the Bible, it, God did you not know, see no way in there where God called a woman to be uh, a pastor or an evangelist. And this thing's been going on for so many years. And I told this one person, I said, I would die. This would kill me. 
<laughs> not to yeah. dare to go out and do what God is telling me to do because no. I would just be dying. You know, I'd be dead because I'm used to being active, going about my father's business, and I always have a piece of what he tells me to do. And before mm-hmm. he called me the evangelist, God spoke to me himself. You yeah. know, so I do appreciate that. That's a lot of peace and a lot of clarity. Yeah, me, and absolutely. it's going to cause me to pray for people's understanding the more. And especially but, when you said Priscilla and Aquila. Now, those other two uh, ladies' names, I couldn't, I didn't catch those. So Aquila was you, Priscilla's husband, and then the other one was Andronicus and Junia. But we're we're going on the break. Uh, the music's coming on, so just uh, thank you for your call. And I'll, I'll explain just a little bit more after the break. So stick around for a couple minutes, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris from Calvary Chapel Vale Valley taking your questions and your prayer requests today. And uh, if you have a question today, we'd love to chat with you. You can call us at 303-690-3000. Once again, that number is 303-690-3000. Or you can text us your question at 720-336-0897. Although I will say you have a much better chance of getting your question on the air today if you call because the text line gets pretty full. And before we went to the break, I was chatting with Charlotte and uh, she had a question about women in ministry and the roles that women are allowed to fill in ministry. And, you know, someone had told her that a woman cannot be an evangelist or gifted as an evangelist. Uh, and that's actually not a prohibition that we see in Scripture. The Scripture does, you know, give specifics for roles and the, the sexes that can participate in certain roles. And there's one role that really is... Um, that is not permitted in the scriptures for a woman to fill, and that is the role of the, the ruling elder, the, the bishop, if you will. Uh, we see that in First Timothy chapter three, First Peter chapter five, uh, Titus chapter one. There, uh, you know, th- that leading role that sets doctrine and direction for the church. There are beautiful roles that women can play in ministry as a deacon, of course, absolutely as an evangelist, um, the evangelist being one who spreads the gospel. Uh, Charlotte was just, she was calling in a little bit concerned because she uh, is an evangelist. She loves sharing Jesus with people that she meets. And so um, absolutely not. That is not prohibited for women. We have great examples of female evangelists in the scriptures. And I shared a couple of those, one being um, Aquila of the couple, I mean, Priscilla of the the couple, Priscilla and Aquila. Aquila was her husband. Priscilla was a, a great servant in ministry, greatly helped Paul the apostle. Uh, and she shared the gospel herself. We also see Andronicus and Junia. And that's what I was talking about right before we went to the break. And this is another couple, um, believing couple. And Junia was um, a, a, a woman that had been involved in ministry, sharing the gospel. Uh, really important roles for women in the church. We can also see that women can be prophets. Uh, women are, you know, we see that in First Corinthians where it talks about women prophesying in church and some of these things. And so th- there is a, a limitation, but the only limitation really is that role of the 
bishop, the elder. Uh, many of us would call that the pastoral role, but I think our definitions in the modern church are a little bit different. We call um, people pastors that are leading any area of ministry, and so that it's really that elder bishop role that's restricted uh, to men in the scriptures is what we see. So thank you for your call, Charlotte. Hope that explained a little bit of that for you. Um, and if anybody else has questions about that, would love to chat with you about it a little bit more um, and kind of explain what the Bible has to say about that. Once again, if you'd like to call with your question today, oh, actually, you know what I'm seeing? Uh, Charlotte's still on the line. So Charlotte, um, you still with us, Charlotte? Oh, never mind. She's gone. <laughs> All right. So uh, you can call us today at 303-690-3000 or text 720-336-0897. I'm going to go to the text line here and take a quick look. Um, okay, this uh, person has texted in, Hi, my name is Brittany. I need help on OCD intrusive thoughts. Please help. I deal with a thought. Do I just reject it if it's not God's word, even if it's a positive thought? Okay, so just um, dealing with some kind of compulsive um, behavior, some thoughts that uh, are controlling your mind, you, the, the direction that you're going. You know, um, it, it tells us to take every thought captive in the scripture. And so what that means is before we let a thought dominate our mind, we take it captive and submit it to Jesus. And so I know it's really easy for us as Christians to, to dwell on things that we shouldn't, whether it's dwelling on fear, uh, maybe it's dwelling on sin, maybe it's dwelling on uh, a promotion at work or a job or some of those things. And the way that I've always thought about this is pretend you have a coffee mug sitting in front of you. And that coffee mug is your mind, okay? So you as a person have the choice of where to put that coffee mug, of where to set your mind. And so do you want to set your mind on things above as we're commanded in the scriptures? Or do we want to set our mind on things that aren't going to bring life to us? And so uh, I want to be one who's going to set my mind on the things that honor God. And so I'm going to set my coffee mug, I'm going to set my coffee mug on my Bible, for example, really set my mind on the scriptures. I'm going to set my mind on the things of God. And so, Brittany, I want to pray for you today uh, and pray that that God will give you some of that deliverance that you're looking for as you're just battling with your thought life. Um, but I just challenge you also to realize that that those thoughts that we have, whether they're fearful thoughts or even good thoughts, whatever, the things that, that dominate our mind, uh, the challenge for us is to choose where we set our attention. What are the things that we're putting and investing our thoughts in? So let's pray together for Brittany. Lord, we just lift up Brittany to you. And just as she's um, texted in asking for help, Lord, um, we just pray that you would hear and that you would respond and you would bring her uh, encouragement and peace, that peace that passes understanding, the peace that doesn't make any sense uh, in the midst of whatever it is that she's facing right now, Lord. I also pray that you would help her to be able to learn to take her thoughts captive and submit them to you, Lord, to choose where she's going to set her mind and choose to set it on the things of God. And so would you just encourage her? Would you build her up? We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you're listening to Calvary Live, the radio call-in show where you can call with your questions about the Bible, about God, about Jesus, uh, about other religions or cults. And you can call us with your questions today at 
3000 or you can text 720-336-0897. I'd like to go to Jeremiah on line two. Jeremiah, welcome to the program. Yes, sir. Hello. Good afternoon. How are you? Um, I'm blessed, brother. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you. That's good. All right. My question was about um, Christmas and Saturnalia. I don't okay. know if I'm pronouncing it right, but uh, the pagan tradition um, of how Christmas got started, and then the Roman Catholic, how they um, uh, changed it from Saturnalia to Christmas and changed um, what they were doing and made it into the day that they made it the, the day that Christ was supposed to be born. But after doing all the research, um, he wasn't born nowhere near that season, and uh, that was a pagan tradition that that was uh, like how adopted by the Christians. And then I, I just wonder, like, why do uh, a lot of us still partake in Christmas things? Like, I go to the church and like, you know, well, we're gonna have a big thing for Christmas, you know, and you guys all come together. And I'm thinking, you know, well, why why are we still partaking in them predict, uh, pagan traditions? Yeah, so you know, there are um, there are lots uh, of these types of things that that uh, I think sometimes we can get hung up on as as believers. And no, you're absolutely right. Jesus, is, as far as we know, was not born on December 25th. Um, in fact, he was, it was, most people believe that he was born sometime around September. We don't know the exact date because it, we don't have anything that points to that specifically. But um, we, we can pretty safely say that he probably wasn't born in December. Uh, the thought that he was born on in December comes from this early Christian tradition that Mary had been told that she would have Jesus on what was March 25th, uh, and this is something that's still celebrated in some sectors of the Catholic Church, uh, March 25th, and so nine months after March 25th is December 25th, and so that's actually the, the, the reason, the original kind of reason that it was done there. Christmas was initially celebrated on December 25th in 336 AD. That was uh, during the reign of the Roman Emperor Constantine. You've heard of him probably before. And um, it, it, the root of that really came from this tradition, this teaching that uh, Mary received the vision from the angel on March 25th. And so nine months from there, December 25th. Uh, that's kind of where the thought came from. Now, what uh, it seems that Constantine tried to do was also to overtake some of the pagan holidays that were going on. And so that's what you're referring to with, with the winter solstice. Uh, it's also called Saturnalia. Uh, there's a few other things that talk about it in different you know, terms, but it's the winter solstice, which happens on December 21st or 22nd, you know, each year. And um, for that, it was, a, it was a celebration where the pagans would celebrate that winter was over and spring was coming. And it was a festival for that winter solstice that was going on. Now, what happened um, when Christians started to celebrate the birth of Jesus around that same time, they didn't, you know, they were leaving paganism, entering into Christianity. And so rather than continuing their pagan traditions, they said, okay, well, we're going to celebrate the birth of Christ instead. And that's going to be our focus going forward. 
Um, th there's also another, there's another theory, you know, Hanukkah starts on what's the 25th of Kislev, the, the Jewish festival of lights, Hanukkah, which is also in December. And it, it often coincides with Christmas is around the same time as what we celebrate of Christmas. And so, um, you know, at, as Jesus being a Jew, there, there's some, you know, as the tradition goes that, you know, w with some overlap there. But the reality is that the, the root of it, the source of the tradition isn't as important as the substance of it. And this is, this is the thing that I think is important for us to understand. Um, there are many people that don't want to do something or another because of what it came out of, but rather it's not what something came out of that's important, but the substance of it. And so this is, the tr this is true with Christmas or with the resurrection day, which many you know call Easter. Uh, this is true with many things. And really it, it's, I actually think that Christmas is a beautiful picture of God taking something that was broken and ugly and pagan and creating something beautiful out of that, of bringing beauty to the brokenness, which is what we know that God does in our lives, right? He takes us as broken as we are and he creates something brand new out of us. And so for Christmas, for me, it's celebrating Jesus. And I don't, you know, when we get to Christmas, December 25th, I don't ever think, well, this is the day that Jesus was born, but my mind is on Jesus. My mind is on celebrating Jesus. And I can't think of another time of year when I can walk into a Starbucks and hear songs about Jesus on the radio. It's amazing. You know, you go in there and it's yeah. like, wow, they're singing Christmas carols. And these songs are about Jesus right now. And I'm in a public, you know, place that, you know, Starbucks is a little bit, honestly, anti-Christian in their beliefs and the, where they send their money. And so it's pretty amazing when you think about that, that God took something that was initially meant for evil and turned it for good, just like he did with Joseph. You know, Joseph's brothers uh, sold him into slavery, right? And God took that and promoted Joseph to the position of second in command of Egypt. And Joseph, when he saw his brothers again, he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And so when, I, when it comes to things like Christmas or Resurrection Day, Easter, some of these things that, that have become Christian holidays, that's really the outlook that I tend to take on those that, you know, God has taken something that was ugly and he's recreated it in beauty and made it, he took something that was meant for evil and brought it about to be good instead. Um, so for me, that's, that's kind of where I, I lean and that's where I land as far as, you know, celebrating Christmas goes, uh, celebrating Easter goes, although I'd prefer to call it Resurrection Day, but whatever, you can call it Easter. Um, so I, I don't know if that answers your question or not there. Yes, yeah, sir. Awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah, no that's, problem. It's great. Thank you for your I call. There's, I know a lot of people have that question, so it's, I think it's important that we understand and and understand what, what that's all about. So thank you. I appreciate that. Right on, brother. Appreciate you. You too. Have a great day. Oh, you do, brother. Thank you. God bless. Bye. All right. You are listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris. Been taking your calls and your questions. And uh, Charlotte has called back in. So Charlotte, if you're on the line, would love to chat with you briefly. Charlotte, you there? Yes, I am. All right. Well, yeah. Th uh, thank you for your call. I, I little confusion there earlier didn't mean to let you go after the break but <laughs> no i i lost i was on the cell phone so the call had disconnected 
I wanted to apologize, and I heard you through the radio, but I said, let me call him back if that's okay. Sure, absolutely. Was there something else we could answer for you? or? Yes, was trying to get the two names of the two other ladies that you said, Adronica and Junian, and just wanted to get clarity on that pastor, women pastors being a pastor of a church. And if they don't have a husband, can they still pastor a church and have the title of a pastor? Well, I think that's really where the semantics come in is the title of, of pastor. Um, I've mm-hmm. seen churches where a woman is overseeing the children's ministry, which is a completely appropriate role for a woman. Absolutely, she could be teaching and establishing leadership and all that stuff, but called a, 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 the children's pastor. Um, I've seen other churches where women aren't given that title specifically at all. And I think the confusion comes down to our modern definition of that term. When we say okay. pastor, we tend to think the person who is setting the vision and the doctrine and the teaching for the church, which is the role um, that is reserved for men. That's that that elder, that bishop, that episcopos role that we see there in First Timothy chapter 3. Uh, and so... Generally, like for, for the sake of clarity, in our mm-hmm. church, I, I would not call uh, a woman that functions maybe in one of those roles that you might describe as a pastoral role, I wouldn't call her a pastor just because it does generate confusion. Um, but there are absolutely appropriate roles that are pastoral in nature, in a sense, in which women can, can function. Um, but that role of setting the vision and the doctrine and the direction for the church is that role that is an elder or a bishop uh, pastor role that is reserved for uh, not just any man, but really men that God has anointed and gifted specifically for that. Now, as I was saying before, um, that does not on any level exclude women from um, prophecy. As we see in 1 Corinthians, women are allowed to prophesy in church. It doesn't exclude women from, uh, which the role of a prophet is an important leadership role in the church. It doesn't exclude women from um, from uh, evangelism at all. So, so for you, you say that you love to evangelize and tell people about Jesus. Absolutely. Please don't stop doing that. Please don't stop doing that. Um, it's so important that you are, and I wish more people uh, would share their faith. Uh, it doesn't exclude women from what is called a, a deacon role. There's a there's a role that's kind of this. It's it, it, you could call it a deaconess, and that's really the ones who really get the work of the ministry done. Uh, so some of those might be you know people that are serving in different capacities in the church. Um, so there are really great, very important roles for women. It's just that lead setting the lead setting the vision role that is uh, according to the scriptures really reserved for men if that makes sense okay and, and if then, you call if you feel that the lord is calling you to be a prophet as a female and since we do know prophets in the bible that would be okay yeah you know uh, if god has gifted um that that's prophet prophecy is a spiritual gift that we see in the scriptures and if god has gifted a a female with the gift of prophecy that is absolutely a biblical gifting that we see that can be exercised biblically within the church for sure absolutely um and you know the the ones that i referred to you earlier there was um Priscilla and Aquila. That was a couple. So it was Aquila was the man, Priscilla was the, the, his wife, 
and they were a very powerful ministry couple. Uh, we actually see Priscilla's name more than we see Aquila's name, so we kind of get the impression that she was a little bit more active and involved in the church. Maybe he was working more, and that freed her up uh, as she was not working as much to be able to do some of the more ministry-minded things. We also see uh, Junia. That's the one that I was talking about before. Uh, we see that in Romans chapter 16. It's Andronicus and Junia. Um, okay. And so this is, uh, a, this is another one that's a couple and um, that, you know, we see her as a, as a one who was kind of an evangelist as well. And so, um, so those are absolutely roles that women can fill in, in the church. Okay. It's just that the, the overall leadership setting, direction, vision setting, making sure that the doctrine is solid and right on. Uh, that is that First Timothy three role that God has um, in His wisdom and the, the in His prerogative, really as God, chosen for uh, men there. Okay, okay, all right. Then I appreciate this. Yes, answers and it helps so much. Oh no problem. Thank you so much for your call, Charlotte. And please, 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 please don't stop sharing the gospel. <laughs> so, okay. All right, then. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Charlotte. Thank you for your call. Take care now. Huh? All right. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. You're listening to Calvary Live. We've got one open line. So if you'd like to call in, you might be able to squeeze your call in before the end of the program. The number is 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. I'd like to go to line three. Aaron from Greeley. Aaron, are you with us? Aaron, are you there? Line three. Aaron. I think we might have lost Aaron, but Aaron, if you're still listening, I can see uh, you. You had asked a question about the Bethel Church movement, and I think this is an important one. So I'm going to go ahead and address it, uh, even though you're not on the line. So. Um, you know, Bethel Church is, is a church out of Redding, California, and Bill Johnson is the pastor of Bethel Church, and uh, you might have heard some of their music, Bethel Music or Jesus Culture. Uh, Kim Walker Smith is one of their uh, worship leaders. Um, really, really some great, amazing worship music that's come out of the Bethel Church movement. Music has been a, a key part of what th they have done as a church. Uh, really some spirit-filled, spirit-led music. There's also some songs that are a little bit questionable theologically, um, but some really solid ones as well. But out of that Bethel Church movement, there is also um, something, some concerning things from the doctrine of that church. And I'm imagining, Aaron, that that's what you're calling with your questions about uh, Bill Johnson, the pastor of the Bethel of Bethel Church in Redding, California, has some very questionable teachings, uh, and um, I would be concerned about submitting myself to the teaching of that church. So uh, they have some practices that are really just not biblical. Um, they have this thing, this this school that they call the Supernatural School of Ministry. And um, as a part of their, their coursework, they have students that do a thing called grave soaking, uh, where they actually go and will lay down prostrate on the graves of a famous evangelist like Charles Finney or one of these men that died long ago, uh, hoping to soak up their anointing for ministry. 
which really, uh, to me, first of all, is just silly. I mean, it's just a silly thought that that's how you could receive anointing from God. Why would God honor a specific spot or a grave like that? That's not the way that it works. Uh, but, but that raises deeper questions about what they actually believe. Uh, and there are some things that they believe that are concerning, um, you know, believing that Christians are practically sin-free, uh, meaning that that as a Christian, you are no longer subject to your sin nature. Of course, we know we are set free from sin. He with the Son is set free is free indeed, for sure, absolutely. But um, But John says, if we say we have no sin, we're liars, which means we're a sinner, and the truth is not in us. And so um, there are definitely some questionable teachings from the Bethel Church movement. If you have questions about that, uh, I don't have too much time to get into it today, but um, you can look that up online, look up Bethel Church questionable teachings, maybe go to gotquestions.org and type in Bethel Church, and you'll find a little bit more information. All that said, would I say that they are not Christians and are a cult or something like that? No, I wouldn't say that. Um, they are members of the body of Christ and as such are our brothers and sisters in Christ. But there are things that I would be concerned about from their doctrine. I would not personally submit myself to their teaching. So uh, I want to go to Matt on line two. Matt, welcome to the program. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. I uh, got a question for you. Sure. Um, you know, I, I've i been saved by the grace of God, and I pray and worry about my friends and family that um, Oh, Matt, are you still with us? I think your phone's breaking out. I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I can hear you perfectly right now. Um, so basically, I'm worried about my friends and family on Judgment Day that aren't saved. Mm-hmm. And if there was a chance that when God judges people, if they can be saved, even if they haven't accepted Christ as their Savior. Yeah. So, uh, Matt, I think many people share your concern, myself included. We have friends and family that we love very much, and we don't know if that they know the Lord, and uh, we know that they're going to face judgment one day. And, um, you know, unfortunately, as the scripture says, it's, it's appointed to a man once to die, and then comes the judgment. We see that in Hebrews. And so once those friends and family members pass away, they stand before the Lord and they stand, you know, if they have not received forgiveness of their sins, they stand on their own uh, condemned, having condemned themselves, uh, which is really such a, a heartbreaking thing to think about. And so that's, it, it gives us, as, as Christians, all the more reason to be evangelists, just as Charlotte, one of our earlier callers, uh, has said that she wants to be. Uh, to really share our faith with our friends and family members and, and just share the love uh, of Christ with them. But here's the thing that I always have to remember when it comes to our family members, our friends, um, the people that we love and and their salvation. We have to remember that God loves that person even more than we do. You know, um, so that, that family member that you're thinking of, God loves them even more than you do. And God is not going to let them accidentally end up in hell or something like that. You know, it's not as if that happens on accident to anyone. Um, God, God went to the lengths of sending his only son to die on the cross so that person could be saved. 
And so he's also going to go to whatever links necessary to make sure that that person has the opportunity to respond to the truth. Um, and you know, it says that he knows before, he knew before he created the world, you know, who he would choose. But according to his foreknowledge, he knew who would respond to the gospel message. And so he already knows uh, those people and whether or not they will respond to the gospel. And so our job is just to be faithful to make sure that we share Jesus with our friends and our family members and then have to just leave it in the hands of the Lord outside of that. But really trusting in the love and grace of God that he loves them even more than you do. And uh, he, he died for them. You know, he, he, didn't, he didn't die to let them accidentally end up in hell because they didn't get the chance to hear. God, God loves and loves and loves and loves them. And so... Um, just be faithful to present the message and trust that God uh, is faithful in his love towards them as well. Yeah, that knowing that he loves them more than me is a great encouragement. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I always have to think of that myself and remind myself. So thank you for your call, Matt. I think that's a question that, that every one of our listeners can identify with on some level. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for your time. All right. You have a great day. God bless. You too. God bless. All right. Bye. All right. We're coming up on the end of the program, and uh, I have a lot of text questions that didn't get to uh, make it in today, but just uh, wanted to say thank you for your text questions. I love getting them if we have an opportunity, and uh, I want to just pray for one person real quick. So this person said her boyfriend broke up with her, and she wants Jesus to work, move on and work on herself and seek him. And so we're going to pray for her. So Lord, we pray for this, this person who is in the midst of heartache right now and pray that you just bring her peace, help her to set her hope and her mind and her heart on you. Would you fill her up and encourage her, draw her to yourself during this time, Lord. And we lift up the other prayer requests that we didn't get to, to pray for online today. Would you show yourself in them? We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune back in tomorrow. Pastor Jeff Figs will be hosting at the same time on the same channel. God bless. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.